It is so good to see everyone out this morning. <clears throat> Looks like I need to stand over here, a little, a little lopsided. We might flip the room over. <laughs> Either way, it's good to see everyone out uh, this morning, especially our visitors. We always welcome you to come out and be with us to worship uh, and glorify God in spirit and in truth and to edify one another. I hope the song service this morning and then our our prayers this morning has been beneficial to you all and Lord willing, I hope this lesson that we're going to study this morning regarding creation, the Christian's perspective, what should our perspective be in regards <clears throat> to creation. So obviously, if you haven't already, if you haven't taken your Old Testaments out, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and as you're doing that, I'm going to turn to a song that many of us know, and I want to read one verse out of the song. Now, Jason, to his credit, he did send me an email asking me if I had any songs that I wanted him to sing. However, I was asleep, <laughs> and when Levi is asleep, I'm sleeping, and then when he got up, I didn't get up to check anything, so this is no fault to him. However, it's a song that ma the majority of us know. It's Our God, He is Alive. It's number nine in the songbook. Now, I'm, go now, I'm not going to sing it. We're not going to do any singing right now. <clears throat> but I want to read the third verse. This is my favorite verse out of this song. Our God, He is Alive, the third verse. Secure is life from mortal mind. God holds the germ within his hand. And though men may search, they cannot find. For God alone does understand. To me, that is probably one of the most powerful verses in any song that we will ever sing in any of our hymnals or songs that are not within our hymnals, songs that we get just PowerPoint only or that we find uh, just along our way through life. Though men may search, they cannot find, for God alone does understand. I want us to understand something about the creation. And I'll go ahead and make this assertion now, just to make sure that I'm clear <clears throat> and that there's no confusion. God created the heavens and the earth. He did it through speaking. How all of that came to be, how did He take all the gases and, and, and cause gravity and all of it to, to heat up and cool down and all of the dust particles within the universe to, to form the galaxies and the stars and then the heavens and the earth, all the way down to the trees and the plants and the animals and, and us as humans... I can't tell you. I just know that He spoke it and it took place. For God alone does understand. What we need to understand is, is that in the book of Genesis, that word actually means beginnings. It's so Genesis is a book of beginnings. It's the beginning of the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens... And the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
Now, how he took the hydrogen and the helium and all the other different gases within the universe and the dark, the dust particles and all that, did he utilize the great big bang? I don't know. I don't think it really matters. But we have the record of the beginning of the heavens and the earth. We have the origin of all life, plant and animals and the origin of man. Humankind. We have the beginnings of the family. We have the origin of sin and death. We have an introduction into, in, in chapter 2 in Genesis of the concept of punishment and rewards and consequences and, and the need for justice. And actually, it, it starts there in chapter 2, but it, it transitioned far well throughout the book of Genesis. We have the origin of sacrifice and government and language and the Hebrew people. So there's a lot of things that was created and begun within creation. But this morning I want us to just be focusing on chapters 1 and 2. For just a brief few moments, I want us to read the rest of chapter 1. So let's start at verse 4. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and there was evening, and there was morning one day. And then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning a second day. Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let the earth spout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation and plants yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning a third day. And then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let, the, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let, let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning a fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the water swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. 
There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts on the earth after their kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image. This is the apex of His creation. If you haven't gotten it yet. We see a climax with each successive day of creation. And we see it coming to a head. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Let's read through verse 3 of the next chapter. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rests from all his work which God had created and made. Everything that we just read is a revelation of the one true God. It reveals to us who He is. It reveals to us His magnificent power. Ultimately, with that, we have to understand not only is there one true God, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, Ephesians 4 and verse 6, we see, There's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. With all of this creation, with everything that's newly made, why? For what purpose? Now, I've already read to you the majority of my reading out of Genesis your homework will be reading chapter 2, the rest of it. I want us to go over to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And I want us to see purpose. 
You'll see purpose continuing in chapter 2 of Genesis, but I want to see more purpose. I want to see other texts, other Bible texts that gives us an, just the thought and the inclination of this is who God is and this is why He did it. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 24, we see here in this text, this is where they had this idol with a statue, if you will, and it had a statement along with it to an unknown God. And Paul says, let me explain this unknown God to you. Starting at verse 24, we see, The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children. I meant to put verse 29. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. From the beginning, God had a divine plan for His creation. For His creation, for mankind to dwell with Him for all eternity. But just as we mentioned brief a few moments ago that the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. It reveals to us the origin of sin. Sin which separates man from Jehovah, from God. Thus part of God's plan, His divine plan, His divine purpose is to draw people to Him through the blood of Christ. Now, keep that in your thoughts and let's get back. Let's get back to the creation for just a moment. I want you to consider something. When people say that we came from absolutely nothing, I want you to understand the implications that there are. When you say absolutely nothing, if we came from absolutely nothing, now understand that even science, in belief with their Big Bang Theory and other theories, they at least will admit, oh, well, there was dust particles, there was helium, there was hydrogen, there was all these types of different gases, oxygen. There was all of these things. But that gravity and the heating of those particles and the, the gases and the cooling of them, so the expansion and the gravity pulled and finally caused what would be a big bang and then that's how we have the stars and the galaxies and all of the hoopla, all of life. So a lot of people, when they say that, well, we came from absolutely nothing, they don't even know what they're talking about. 
They're not even within the same realm, realm of what science advocates. Those are just people who are being stubborn. However, have you ever heard this phrase, something is, that, there's, that there is something, therefore because of this? So think of this. If something is, there must be a reason. There has to be a rhyme. There has to be something manipulating it. Now, science is just going to go as far as they're going to say, well, gravity caused it, and then everything pulled together, and it was just one big accident. However, for there to be absolutely nothing, for there to be no rhyme, for there to be no reason for things, things turned out pretty good, didn't they? We're able to breathe, we're able to communicate, we're able to live our lives, we're able to build things. These pews didn't just come out of thin air. This building didn't come out of thin air. All of the trees and the plants and the foods that we eat, all of those things didn't just come out of thin air by accident. The only logical explanation and reasonable explanation is God. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4, for every house is built by someone. I don't know of a house that I've ever gone to, that I've ever visited, where it just erected itself on its own. I've never been in a vehicle that just created itself from within itself. I've never been on a bicycle that just built itself out of nothing. There's always been a design. There's always been a designer. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Think about it. We're told in the New Testament, foxes have holes and the birds have nests. They have the the air. Are holes dug on their own? Do holes just magically appear? Now, I know you may say, well, what about the tectonic plates and when they separate? That's not what I'm referring to. Is a hole going to magically just appear in my backyard just because so my dog can bury a bone? No. The house that I am living in did not erect itself. The nest, the squirrel's nest that's in the trees on my property, the bird's nest that are in the trees on my property, they didn't just build themselves. I promise you that ice storm that we just recently had didn't bring in the winds and and the rains and, and those things create those nests. Those nests were built there. I sat there and watched those squirrels build their nests. I watched my dog terrorize those squirrels while they were building their nests. Yet, people want us to believe that we came from absolutely nothing. Isn't that something? Is it really that much of a leap of faith to believe that the builder of all things is God? Or that we just came out of soup for no rhyme, no reason? Let's go over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And let's start at verse 16. 
this is getting back to the thought of Genesis 1 through chapter 2 and verse 3 is a revelation of the one true God. It tells us of who He is. And of his power. And Genesis 2, through the rest of the chapter, tells us of his purpose. Now, in Romans here, we see purpose and plan. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. Now, underline that. Even though these men are unrighteous, even though they are blasphemous, they are evil, they are wicked, the presence of God, the knowledge of God, it's evident. The most wicked man cannot deny a living God. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And so what we see here in this context, we see in verse 18 that the world will be judged in righteousness. And so again, we got to understand in the creation, we have the origin of all life. We have the origin of time, space, and matter. We have the origin of plant life, of animal life, of human life. And that was the apex of God's creation. That was the greatest thing of it because He created us in His image. But there was a purpose. And there was a plan. Look at this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. In Genesis, in the book of the beginnings, we also have the origin of sin and the consequences thereof, which is death. Physical and spiritual death. The eternal separation between God and His creation. And, but then we have God's plan to save man from this judgment. For I am not ashamed of the power of the... For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So because God is who He is, because He has an eternal plan and He plans to judge... Those, the world will be judged in righteousness. Whether you live in unrighteousness or righteousness, you will be judged. We have no excuse. So let's look a little bit further into this thought. 
Now these I try to have on the board, so you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Let's continue on in this same context. Let's look at verse 25 and then verse 28 here in Romans 1. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do those things that are not proper. Look, God is evident. It's not that He hasn't left any witnesses. It's not that He hasn't left any proof of Himself. That's verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, what? His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Nature witnesses and testifies of the presence of God. Look at Acts 14, verse 16 and 17. In past generations, He permitted all the nations to go their own ways. So if they wanted to go off in sin and go off to idolatry, guess what? He led them. Now they they had to suffer the consequences, but He allowed them to. Look at this. Yet He did not leave Himself without witnesses. In that He did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. Look. He allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, doesn't He? He allows the sun to rise and to to set upon the just and the unjust. He created all things for all people. His plan is for all people, not just for the selected few. Let's let's continue on into Psalm 19, verse 1-6. through The heavens tell the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of His hands. That's that's Romans one twenty right there. The heavens tell the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out into the earth and their words to be the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent in the sun, which is like a groom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices like a strong person to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Let's look at Hebrews 11 and 3. By faith. Faith, right? Now, a lot of people don't like this word faith. They, they think that it's a leap in the dark. That, well, you have no proof, you have no evidence. Well, we see clearly, we have plenty of evidence. By faith, we understand that the world has been created by the Word of God. I don't know how He did it. I just know that He did it. So that what is seen has not been made out of things that are visible. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Is it a leap in the dark to believe that God created all things or that everything just came to be randomly and through and by nothing? That's the question. Which is it as far as being a leap in the dark? So I know I've utilized this example before, but... Let me use it again. It'd be like taking this phone, and I I use it as a watch. I don't have a watch. 
I don't like wearing watches. But this is my clock. So it would be like me taking this phone, taking a sledgehammer to it, busting it up into just billions and jillions of pieces, putting it in a bag and shaking it up for tens of thousands of years, and I dump it out on the table and it's come out ticking in on time. Which is it to be a leap in the dark? For me to do that? Or for me to believe that God created the heavens and the earth? And that within His creation, He created a purpose. What was the purpose for man? Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Look at the purpose for man. Look at verse 28 and 29. God blessed them and God said to, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Has man subdued the earth or has man not? Does animal, does beast rule this world? Or does mankind? Has God's plan come to fruition? You tell me. Psalm 33 and verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and by the breath of His mouth all their lights. Is that enough evidence for you? This was not a, was this a witness or was it not a witness? Second Peter three verse five was Peter a witness or was he not? A, he was a witness of the Lord, was he not? For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Peter walked with the Lord. He walked with God on foot. Is this not evidence enough? Now we've already read all of chapter 1, so we're not going to reread the whole thing. This is just kind of a brief overview of what we've talked about. So the first day was the, was the creation of formless earth and water and light was created. Verses 1 through 5. The second day was the day in which there was an atmosphere was created. Now, I want us to understand something, and I said this earlier. Now, all of these things were good. But if you haven't noticed, after the second day, it's not stated that it was good. Why? Now, near the end, he says that, it was, that all his creation was very good. But after the second day, life here on earth was, not, earth was not habitable. We weren't able to live here. But the third day, the seas are gathered together in one place. Dry land is created because after the second day, it was just all water. There was no dry land. See, Vegetation appears. The fourth day, the heavenly bodies were made. The, the skies, universe... Fifth day, fish and fowl were made. Six days, land animals and man were made. Yet again, with the second day, it's not stated that it was good because the earth was not habitable. Man would not have been able to survive on the earth after the second day. There was no dry land. But we see... With each successive day that passes, the climax gets higher and higher and higher for God and His creation. Mankind being 
the final point, if you will. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God set man to be over all of the earth. Has that taken place or not? Or are we still ruled by beasts? Psalm 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Why would God create us with no purpose? Because that's what science would have you to believe. That we're nothing more than just electricity. There's no rhyme and no reason for our existence. There's nothing. Folks, there's a problem with this type of thinking and this type of logic. This type of thinking and this type of logic ignores morality. It ignores law. And guess what? Law was established in Genesis chapter 2. If you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9, you see, out of the ground the Lord calls to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight of to the sight and good for fruit, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then verse 17, here's the law. The law is, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. There's the creation of law. Why? Because man would have you to just live in the jungle and have the laws of the jungle. Just every man for themselves. If you feel like killing each other, then just go ahead and do it. If you don't and you just feel, you just, you're feeling lucky today, then you just feel lucky today. That's what people would have you to believe. But if there's no purpose in our creation, then, then we deny will. Self-will, intelligent will. We deny love. We deny morality. How do we know what's right and wrong? Please. How do we know what's right from wrong? Look at this. God created this law, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, if we live upon the basis of naturalism, which is just, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, there's no law. So if there's no law, there's chaos. Now I want us to understand something about law. And I want to be careful because I don't want to get into my sermon tonight. Are we law-abiding people? That's a question I want us to ask ourselves. Do we abide by God's law? Do we abide by any law? Think about this example. You're driving along, you see a stop sign, and every stop sign you see, you blow right through it. Up until you see a police officer. But then you see that police officer, oh, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I'm going to stop at this stop sign. No, you're trying to avoid a ticket. Let me tell you something, you might deceive that police officer, but you're not going to deceive God the Father. Stopping at that stop sign because there's a police officer does not make you a law-abiding citizen. Let me tell you this. Getting into this tank of water and dipping yourself down in it 
without faith does not make you a law-abiding disciple. If you don't have enough faith and trust in God to save you from your sins and you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I don't care if you drown yourself in that pool of water. That does not make you a child of God. But what is it that we want to do? We want to follow a law that's convenient for us. So if there's law that we appeal to, any law for that matter, we have to understand that there was a beginning. There was a creation to that. All of it started with God. There has to be a lawgiver. What about guilt? Have you ever felt guilty before about anything? If you have felt guilty about it, what caused that guilt? Was it just because? Was it because you know right from wrong? Think about this. Think about morality. Think about justice. Think about sorrow, grief, sin, repentance. Think about all those things that's listed right there. I want you to explain how we can fill any of those things, how any of those ideologies can be legitimate without the existence of God. And we know deep down we cannot. God is the reason for all of those things. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. This is where the rubber's starting to meet the road. We're going to start rushing through this to get this done. 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11. Realizing that the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, homosexual, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Who determines what sound teaching is or do we live under naturalism? Do we live under the laws of the jungle? Whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And that was even though Paul was a blasphemer. He was still entrusted with the gospel to share it with others. Why? Because that was God's eternal plan. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 regarding His plan of the fullness of the times to bring all things together in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in Him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things in accordance with the plan of His will. This was God's eternal plan from the day of His creation of mankind to bring things all together, to bring all things together in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ, you're not brought to the Father. 2 Timothy 1.9 
Look at this. Who saved us, talking about Christ, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which, granted to, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So the creation, the whole thing, the book of origins, the book of beginnings, the creation of time, space, and matter, of plant life, animal life, human life, the origin of sin, the origin of law and order, consequences of sin, consequences of our actions, thus providing the reason and justification for having law. The whole creation tells us that God has an eternal plan and purpose for His creation, for mankind, because He set mankind over all of His creation. He didn't set animals above all His creation. He didn't set birds. He didn't set set plants. He set mankind over all of His creation. That's why we are unique. That's why the status of mankind is divinely purposed and given by God. God's Word teaches us that God has known us from the womb. I believe this good reference verse would be Jeremiah 1.5. And at your conception, His eternal plan and purpose for you was to be in Christ Jesus. That same Christ Jesus went to Nicodemus. Well, Nicodemus actually came to Him by night and asked Him some questions. And Jesus' response to him was, you must be born again. We're about to sing about that instance this morning. Being born again means coming to Jesus and putting Him on in baptism. It means living out your life in faith. Not in perfection, but in faith. So if you haven't put Christ on in baptism this morning, the baptistry is ready. We are ready and willing to assist you in that. Because again, this was God's eternal purpose for you. But maybe you've already done that. You've already been born again, but you realize that you are in sin. You realize that you are separated from God. You need to come back to God. You need the prayers of the congregation. You want our support. You need our help. You wish to be reconciled back to God. Allow us to work with you. Allow God to work in you. Whatever your need is, if you're subject to our public invitation, won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing the invitation song.